Hello, my friends. Welcome to Pets Politics with Mr. Watson. I am indeed your host, as always, Christian Watson. It's good to be with you guys here today. So, I heard that there was a big interview on the channel, on the podcast the other day. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm, I'm joking. But, no, uh, I had a chance, and you're probably here, most of you are probably here, from my interview with Scott Bale. <clears throat> so, I just want to say a few words about that. Um, and for those of you who do not know me, hello, I'm Christian. I'm Christian Watson. I'm your host, as I mentioned before. Um, I, it's very interesting what I do. So I'm a college student. I'm 20 years old. I'm an aspiring political commentator. So I basically want to comment about the news for a living. And a little bit more than that, I want to represent the ideas of liberty, the ideas of freedom, the ideas of individualism, the ideas of self-reliance, the ideas of personal autonomy, the ideas that America was birth from. It was birth from the fires that went into forging the tools that created these ideas. I want to represent those in the public square. So beyond just publishing things in certain mediums and beyond just talking about the news, I want to talk about the concepts and the principles which animate our everyday lives, which animate our political discussions. Because you cannot have a political discussion without principles. In order to be for or against guns, or for or against gun control, you have to have a first principles to inform you as to why you're against gun control. You can't just have a consequentialist viewpoint, oh, gun control is ineffective. Well, yeah, it's ineffective, but what, what if it became effective one day? Would your position would just collapse? Oh, well, gun control is against as a violation of our rights. That's where, that's where it is. That's what it is. And that will never change. So you have to understand the principles that underlie every single thing, every single contemporary issue, every single aspect of the political system, if you want to ascertain the political system. And if you want to be able to use the political system for its just and correctly oriented means. So I want to be a voice to operate like that in the public square. And... This podcast, and if whether you're watching on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or YouTube, this podcast is a way to help me do that. And so I appreciate you guys for being here, whether if you came from Scott Bay or if you came from other sources, thank you so much for being here. It means a lot to me. This show is, as I've said it, a experiment in the philosophy of politics, where I like to say the political connects to the human and the human the political. Because oftentimes the human, our emotions, how we how we feel overall, how we operate with uh, within these uh, mortal vessels, eh? right? how we operate within these mortal vessels under the presence of society, under the presence of our biology, the human is interacting with the political, which appears to be in many cases one dimensional and entirely driven by one or two things reduced to one or two things but as the great Walt Whitman said I contain multitudes you contain multitudes you are not driven by one or two things you are driven by a dynamic compendium of assorted things you are driven by so many complex ideas so many complex things things you may not even know about you may not even know about those things but all of them animate your being all of them animate this vessel which you are in so that's what I say when I say with the human in the political and the political of the human. That's what this show is. And so what I do with this show, I like to do monologues, as you as I'm doing right now. I will oftentimes do a monologue a day, typically. You should expect this show to be posted around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
um, which is about 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 5 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time and 6 p.m. Central Standard Time in the United States. <clears throat> you should expect this show to be posted around then every day. And I typically do multiple monologues out of the day, out of the week, and one or two interviews. Because I, there's a great thing about doing interview shows, right? You get to interact with other people. You get to understand and explore different things through the lens and the eyes of another. But there's a pitfall as well. And the pitfall is that sometimes if you do interviews too much, people only see you in relation to someone else. And after they see you with that person, they may not come back to you. They may just go wherever that person leads them. You have to cultivate a following. You have to cultivate something beyond what other people can give you. That is part of the reason why I am doing these monologues. I'm trying to cultivate something with my own voice and provide you value through some way. So that's what this show is about. Now, of course, the interviews are great, as I mentioned, because you get to explore things and things like that. So, but you're going to, this is what I do mostly. I talk. I talk to you directly. I don't talk to someone else. I talk to you directly. And so this show is on several different platforms, right? So we're on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts, Podbean. Actually, wherever you can get a podcast at, wherever, wherever you can think of, we are at. We are not on iHeartRadio yet. We're going to be on there very soon. We are at. We are also on the Fed by Ravens Radio Network. The Fed by Ravens Radio Network is a compendium of assorted radio shows scattered throughout the country, all of whom operate under a single banner, under a single provisio, which is they are they are loyal and allegiant to God. They are loyal and allegiant to the ideas of liberty and free thought. We don't all agree on everything. There are plenty of hosts that agree that disagree with me, I'm sure, and there are plenty I disagree with. But we all speak the truth. We never try to do anything because we think it's going to get us likes or views. We all speak the truth. What we understand to be the truth, we speak it. And we give it to you. And if through in the course and due course of intellectual process and discovery, we find that that's not, that's not the truth, okay, we throw it away. Or we refine our understandings. We refine things. We change ourselves. Revive ourselves. Because when you're stuck to a false idea, you are in a sense dead. There are so many people operating under false ideas in today's world. And when you bind yourself to the, to the, uh, to, to the, the goalposts of false ideas, you are prohibiting yourself from being able to overcome and be the best person you can be. And to live up to those universal laws. Because there is a truth in this world, my friends. And that is a lot of what I talked about with Scott Baio. Scott Baio, my friends, is nothing short of amazing. Um, it was one of the best interviews I've ever, ever given, ever had. And it's not, look, it's not that I agree with him on everything. I agree with Scott about 98, 97% of everything. There are things that we differ on, I'm sure. But our fundamental core convictions are basically the same. We believe in freedom. 
We believe in individual liberty. We believe in limited government. We believe that you understand better what to do with your life than a bureaucrat ever could even ascertain or hope to ascertain. We believe in that. And if I agree with you on the fundamentals, what well, everything else is superfluous. There will be things that you, I'm sure many of you guys, disagree with me on. But we agree on the fundamentals. That's what matters, my friends. The right is now, it's in a sort of orgy of destruction, right? Between the nationalist right and the libertarian right and the centrist right. There's just an orgy of destruction going around because there is a sort of conflict of visions and values that is being pushed forward and fought out in the intellectual realm. But all I have to say is, my friends, if we agree on the nature of reality, if we agree on the ontological truth of our human freedom, if we agree on these things, everything else becomes secondary. Now, part of the problem is there is an aspect of the right that does not agree on these things. We got to reevaluate those people. Okay, well, why don't you? Why don't you think that human beings have rights that shouldn't be violated? Okay, why do you think government needs to be involved in this area, but not in this area? Why are you selective with what you believe? Why are you not standing in epistemic truth and humility and being convicted and grounded in core principles and convictions? What's wrong with you? Or what's going on with you, brother? And all love, of course, all love, all all love, man, all love. But that is a part of the equation. And so when I was talking to Scott. I, it was enchanting to hear him talk about, so vivaciously state his individuality, state his individualism, above all else. There was a point in the interview where we talked about losing friends because of our political beliefs. And it's happened to me. It's going to keep happening to me. When I came into my freshman year of college here at Mercer, uh, where, where I'm at school at, I had a lot of friends. A lot of the black community on campus liked me. You know, I was kind of, I was a, it wouldn't seem like it from my show, or even if you know me in real life all the time, it wouldn't seem like it. But I was kind of the life of the group. I would laugh. I would joke around. I'd be, I'd do funny things. I would make people smile. Um, I had a friend that once said, Christian, your smile brightens up my day. It was, that's how it was. I was on the collegiate debate team. And I had the respect of a lot of my teammates who were leftists, who are leftists, I should say. I'm not on the team anymore, but who are leftists. Because there was something about me they liked. This was before they got to understand my views. When more people got to understand my views, they backed away. Um, I host, so I, I, I work with an organization called Students for Liberty. And I hosted a social justice debate on my campus between two members of the faculty who have diametrically different paradigms on how they measure the world and different views on the issue of social justice. And I thought, okay, let's come together. Let's have a respectful debate. Let's have a respectful conversation. Let's have a respectful discussion. Um, lo and behold, um, the professor who opposed social justice said some things that the enlightened, quote-unquote enlightened, leftist crowd didn't really like very much. So they scorned him. They scorned him. Yeah, <laughs> they scorned him. They moved to get him uh, uh, his tenure revoked, which is 
a near impossible and rare feat that borders on mythological pretension in the academic world. Uh, they moved to get our club suspended. They moved to have a watcher uh, watch certain debates on campus so that black black people and people of color, so to speak, wouldn't be offended or hurt by the language on campus. They moved to do a lot of things that are that are endemic to many college campuses, that are endemic to many universities these days. A lot of baleful, bad, very, very bad things. Things that restrict our conscience, things that restrict our ability to express things, things that restrict our ability to hone ideas and understand ideas in their full epistemic truth or their full epistemic orientation. Things that just don't really make sense in an academic setting or any setting. That was the goal by many left-leaning groups on campus because of an event that I held. And after that event, I was on thin ice. My debate team was pissed off at me. Um, the people on campus who used to be my friends were pissed off at me. A great majority of many of, of the black community on campus were pissed off at me. And I say black community very loosely because I don't believe in these collectivistic terms. I say that as a means to group a certain segment of African Americans on a certain a certain area, not as like a broad thing, of course, because African Americans are should be uh, and any people should be understood as their own thing. We are individuals first. We're not members of a group. We're individuals first. We don't believe in being a part of this holistic mass that has suffered something collectively. No, 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 no. We are individuals. That is how reality dictates it, and that is how logic brings us to that conclusion. We are individuals. Don't, don't measure me as a member of the aggregate. Don't measure me as something big. No, no, no. I'm Christian Watson. But, lo and behold, there were people who were very keen on on using the, the sort of collectivistic understanding of African Americans to brand me as a traitor. Of course. <laughs> because of my beliefs. So I was already on thin ice. After that debate happened, we had a follow-up because a contingent of African Americans on the campus got pissed off at the guy who was doing, who was representing the anti-social justice side. And so during that follow-up, the entire crowd was against him. They were grilling him. They were scorning him. They were saying that he's racist, all kind of things. I basically said, the only black cut guy in the crowd who said, listen, doctor, listen, sir. Almost every single person here is calling you racist. It is my opinion that you were engaging in an academic exercise in the pursuit of truth, as any good academic should do. So can you, can you confirm to us today that you are indeed not racist, and that you are you indeed had no racist intent, and that even if some students got offended by you citing statistics about certain cultural problems in urban America, those stats do not color how you view the orientation, the complexion of people. It is not a value judgment about what they look like. It's something that is incidental towards their looks, which is oftentimes by economists, sociologists, measured by their looks. And of course, yeah, of course, of course, yes. I'm not racist. And when I was, as I was saying that, the jeers and the, the moans of disapproval that emerged from the rest of the crowd were reflected and put onto me. And after I was done with my attempted apolog apologism, um, 
many folks were upset. A good friend of mine, I thought it was a good friend at that time, she looked at me with so much discontent and anger, it broke my heart. So Scott and I talked about that a little bit. And he told me, look, Christian, I have lost some friends, but guess what? I don't care, man. I don't care. Because I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And I'm not going to let anyone change me. The problem is that many people, when they get a following, when they get fame, when they get some amount of prestige, they let it change them. Listen, guys, I want you guys to like me for who I am. If I say something and one of you unsubscribes from me or doesn't want to follow me anymore, so be it. Goodbye. Nice knowing you. I'm not going to change who I am. I'm not going to change my commentary. I'm not going to change my style to please you or anyone else. I want to be able to create value for people, but not at the expense of my own convictions, not at the expense of who I am, not at the expense of what Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, one of the greatest American philosophers ever in the history of the American tradition, what he called the sanctity of one's own mind. There is nothing at last, this is what Emerson said in Self-Reliance, there is nothing at last more sacred than the sanctity of man's own mind. And this goes for you too. Just because I have a microphone and a camera does not mean I'm special. This goes for you too. Don't conform yourself. Don't change yourself. Don't compromise the sanctity of your own mind for expediency. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. We need more Scott Bales. We need more Tim Allens. We need more Roseanne Bars. We need more people who will break the mode and be contrarian. Not simply for the sake of being contrarian like David Hume was. David Hume was just contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. I mean, who, people who are contrarian for the sake of speaking a truth or the truth that may not necessarily be very popular in any particular space. That's what we need more of. And Scott Baio... The fact that he would give little old me an interview. Those guys, I don't have a, I don't have a, a lot of followers. I'm gaining more. You guys have come from Scott Bale. I'm gaining more and more every day. I'm inspired by that. I'm motivated by that. I'm encouraged by that. Guys, I don't have a lot of followers. I'm working up to something, but I don't have a lot of followers, man. I don't have the institutional connection that some of these people have. I'm not a Candace Owens. I'm not a Ben Shapiro. Thank God I'm a Christian Watson. I'm Christian Watson. Now that's all who I'm, that's, I'm, who I'm going to be, I mean. I'm not going to be a Ben Shapiro. I don't want to be a Ben Shapiro. I want to be Christian Watson. I don't want to be the next Thomas Saul. Even though I love Thomas Saul, I want to be the first Christian Watson. And that is how you need to view yourself too. There, No one in this earth has the same fingerprint as you. No one has the same. No one experiences things like you experience things. Because you experience things in this mortal vessel. You experience things through your own eyes, through your own approbation of the world. No one experiences things like you do. Therefore, you do not need to bind yourself, subordinate yourself, demean yourself by constantly saying, I want to be the next so-and-so. Forget so-and-so. Don't care about so-and-so. Learn from so-and-so. You need to be the first you. There will never be another Scott Bale. Because only one Scott Bale. And there will never be another you. And so on this podcast, we typically go 49 minutes. 
today it's going to be a shorter show because I just got scheduling things. So I'm going to be going for like 49, uh, for like 30 minutes or 25 minutes. But we do a daily show every day about the news. We go 49 minutes. We cover like three topics typically. There will be sometimes where I cover multiple topics, but typically three topics. And I try to give you a fresh perspective on a lot of current events. Because I find that a lot of current events are marred with perspectives that either come out of K Street or that come from the ability, the, 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 the desire to progress in one's social status rather than the desire to be adherents of the truth. Right? A lot of people in this political commentary game are opportunists, right? Some folks call them grifters. I, I call them opportunists because it's something a little bit different. Because you can believe you can have a general idea of what you believe and you can somewhat believe in it, but that's never going to account for you not being truly in tune with what you believe. So these opportunists are dangerous. I don't like them. I don't know what's going on with them in their life, but I just don't think they're... They need, they need to fix something out. They need to work something out with themselves. So I'm not an opportunist, guys. I will tell you the truth regardless. If you don't like it, again, bye-bye. I'm sorry. What did, what did, just, what did instinct say? Girl, it ain't no lie, baby. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> That's what instinct said. <laughs> oh, man. You'll learn that I have a very odd music taste as well. But in all seriousness, it's my hope that you will gain something out of value from this show. It's my hope that it'll challenge how you think. It's my hope that the bail interview challenged how you think. Even though I agree with Chop Bayo. And look, I talk to people all the time I don't agree with. I talked to Marion Williamson the other day. I don't agree with her at all. And unlike Scott Bayo, Miss Williamson was not did not want to share the interview. She was too I think she was she didn't think she did good. So they asked her, said, Miss Williamson, will you be able to share this? She said, Well, it depends on how well I think I did. It, it, there are just some people who want to protect their egos. That's how it is sometimes. That's how it is sometimes. Because they value how they're perceived over how they are. And this is a, a quintessential problem with a lot of politics. It's all about appearances and how it sounds, how something sounds, how language sounds, rather than the policies themselves, rather than the ideas of the policies. That's why a political debate is nothing more than a dog and pony show. Nothing more than a, a, a artificial circus created by uh, the parties to validate within their the confines of their very, what is it, their very narrow understanding of how politics operates, um, their views. Right? Kamala Harris in that debate, she sounded very polished. And she sounded very proper and she enunciated everything so here's look there are going to be times where christian watson does not sound very proper and very polished there will be times where my verbal abilities fall short a little there will be times 
Like what Elton John said, yes, there are times when we all need to share a little pain and iron out the rough spots. It's a great song, sad song, great song. Well, guess what? I got a lot of rough spots. Everyone does. If you're a human being, you're going to have rough spots. That's okay. So I'm not going to be able to sound proper all the time. I'm going to try to. But most importantly, if you get what I'm saying, that's what matters. Some folks in politics, like Kamala Harris, are worried about sounding proper and being so graceful with the way they speak and, you know, speaking at a, a proper tempo and not going too far and, and just saying things that make so much sense and, oh, I sound like a British aristocrat right now because I sound so, oh, give me a break. No one is perfect. Not a single person in this world is perfect. That belief is either affirmed by the Christian faith or by general experience with life. No one in this world is perfect and no one in this world is ever going to be perfect. Failure or falling short or falling short of standards is okay. That's fine. It's not about that. It's about what you learn from it. It's what, good, goodness sakes. But no, we value appearances, we value aesthetics, we value sounds, we value these things over what people are saying. So Kamala Harris basically said in that debate, well, you want to talk about court packing? How about the fact that Donald Trump didn't nominate any non-white judicial appointees? That's court packing. Some folks are like, oh, she got you, oh, she got you, oh. But if you actually look at what she was saying, she was being grievously prejudiced by suggesting that court pet no nominees have similar ideology based on their race, number one. That's what she was saying, and it's that's terrible. But most folks would sit there and say, oh, Kamala sounded good, and she looked good, and oh, oh, and no, forget that. We don't do that at Pensive Politics. If you sound good, but you're spewing nonsense, I'm going to call the nonsense out. I'm going to use that pensive fire, that light of truth, as Socrates said it, and I'm going to smash into that nonsense. I'm going to rip it apart. Because you deserve better than that. And that's why I liked the interview with Scott Bayo. Because we ripped through nonsense. That doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. But it does mean that we have our hearts in the right place, my friends. <laughs> nonsense shall not prevail. Falsehood shall not prevail. So, if you're new here, thank you so much. There are a few things I ask you to do. Number one. I want to make this a full-time thing. It already is a full-time thing. But for me to do that, I need your support. If you could donate to my PayPal, which is officialcwatson at gmail.com, I would be so, so appreciative. That's one. Number two. If you could subscribe to this YouTube channel or to my YouTube channel, if you're watching this on, podcast, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and my channel's name is Christian Watson, I would be so grateful for you. If you're listening to this on YouTube, if you could comment on the video, let me know you've watched, let me know what you think, I'd be so grateful. If you could rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts and review it, Pensive Politics on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful. 
whatever you can do to help me advance this message, I am grateful for. Because guess what? We've got to get this message out here. We've got to reevaluate how we are talking about politics. We have to, my friends. So today's show is very atypical. I'm typically going to be talking about issues for like 49 minutes, 50 minutes. But today I just wanted to introduce myself to you guys and say hello. Tomorrow we'll have a great show with with you. Got a few uh, things we're going to talk about tomorrow, but I'm excited, guys. You are helping me achieve my dreams. Thank you. Thank you. So if you guys can do all those things or some of those things, whatever was in your power or ability to do to help this message get forward, I appreciate it so much, my friends. And just please let me know you are talking. Let me know you're watching. Let me know. Because sometimes it can feel like, okay, is anyone watching? Let me know, guys. Let me know you're watching. Let me know you're there. Because I know you are, but let me know that, though. Let me confirm it, right? I, uh, John Locke said, there is nothing yet in my mind which did not first come through the senses, right? So I need to be able to see it. It exists, but I need to be able to see it, though. Because if I can't verify it through sight, sometimes, doubt sets in. But that's another story. So, as always, my friends, thank you so much for listening to me. And please stay pensive. I will see all of you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Stay pensive. Bye-bye.